Aloha, and welcome to another Candid Conversation. Today, we're joined by my favorite bloggerist, blogger, whatever the right word is, Sarah Hanks, who's coming to us from the Northeast. She is busy as a toot, doing all kinds of things with her family, vacations in Iceland and work and all kinds of stuff. So how the hell does somebody do all of that and still look like you do? <laughs> a little bit of makeup <laughs> <laughs> and a whole lot of smiles until uh, fake it till you make it. <laughs> what, um, in, in getting ready for this, one of the things that I mentioned is I'd like that your recent blog was essentially, I'm going to paraphrase it and put it into my context. You, you're hiring for credentials or experience. Mm -hmm. And I find that today to be a very appropriate subject with everything that's going on in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So what brought you to write that? What triggered that thinking in your head? Well, it's it started with a panel, actually. Um, our The company I work for um, just became a corporate member of the Women in Manufacturing organization. Ah. And through a mutual friend, um, ServiceNow, the software company, asked me to participate with them in a panel discussion on how to keep workers in the workforce through digital transformation. Now, my background is that. <laughs> That's a lot of my claim to fame is actually taking a GE business through a complete digital transformation. Um, and so I said, yes. And I didn't realize that the actual topic was going to be geared towards um, HR processes until an hour beforehand. We decided not to pre-determine the questions. Um, we got together. We wanted to keep it a casual conversation. Um, and I learned moments before that we were actually going to be talking about um, hiring people, understanding what skills are required to do jobs, and um, and then how do you, the panel and development. There were three of us, so it was the CTO of ServiceNow and a head of HR in one of the automotive industries, and myself. <laughs> all of all of you had worked together before, knew each other. Nope. Okay, so it's a real and the moderator. The um, the CTO was the moderator. Okay, so just the three of you. Yep. No advance warning, no prep, no nothing. This is what we're going to talk about. That's right. And uh, that's exciting. Before... <laughs> yeah, I've never. I mean, I've I've built job descriptions before. I've created teams from scratch, so I I'm not without experience in this space. Um, but in my head, I'm thinking I'm preparing for digital transformation conversation. And it's really, really a different topic altogether. Um, because if you're talking about, you know, jobs and what's required to do the job and how do you um, find people with the right skills for that job? How do you look at your organization and identify where there may be transferable skills? How can you tap people on the shoulder to maybe do something different? Um, and they, she had built a technology that kind of facilitates that that whole 
um, that, scenario. That was, that was probably the drive behind the panel, right? That she Correct. had a technology that was usable in this kind of an environment. Yep. Okay, yep. so let me let me interfere a little bit with the flow. One of the things that I find really lacking today is skills of leaders to do performance reviews. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> um, well, actually, in my I've been a, a manager for a long time, um, and in that whole career, I've only received training on performance reviews once, and it was actually this year. Um, and it was conducted, a lot of the HR where I work um, come from a legal background. And so the whole context on the performance review training was given thinking about what are you going to get in trouble or not in trouble from an employee standpoint, if they decide that things go unfairly and they want to do something about it. Um, and so I would say that I hadn't gotten, I mean, and that was very clear in the training that that was the point. So I think the development of performance review skills that I've received over the years is either because of what I've been given or what I've given and learn and, and improve on the process there. So one of the things that really bothered me about two months ago now might be longer when <laughs> it, it probably is longer when the Fed started bumping interest rates. Mm -hmm. There was a front page Wall Street Journal article about companies going back to serious formal performance reviews to find out who they were going to get rid of. And that's completely contrary to everything that I believe a performance review is about. How can I help you get better? What would That's you like right. to do is more what my objective is in a performance review. And it's tied to our job function skill assessment, where we're testing your knowledge and, and skills get tied to your job mm -hmm. so that we can identify and talk together about the things that we think might help you get better in certain aspects. Yeah, your development needs, what's yeah. in your aspirations exactly. and how do you make a plan to take you from where you are today to where you want to go? Right. That's that's how I personally approach performance reviews because well, this panel though seemed to be more concerned about making sure we stayed out of trouble legally. Well, the the training I received, the panel I think is more in line with the skills and understanding you know, how can you leverage technology to help you, especially if you don't have any place that you've started from? So try to build a bridge on this, Sarah, between mm -hmm. digitization and performance reviews. Is there a connection? That's a good question. Um, I think in terms of I don't know that I find one directly. I think that having skills in digitization could be part of an assessment that could be part of a performance review, I, especially now. I think that there aren't very many roles in the industry that would be exempt from having some level of skills in digitization and data. Um and so I think it could be included from that standpoint. 
Um, I think there's usually some element of measurable identification of success. So maybe there's some connection there. Um, but if you're not meeting your metrics or things aren't looking good from, from the technical side of a performance review, I don't think that those conversations should wait till an annual performance review event. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, you better should, be making I, some corrective action before then. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should, I don't necessarily believe in annual. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a pretty regular event. It's a communication device as far as I'm concerned, and sure. it's constant. But let me let me let me narrow the frame a little bit and think in terms of process improvement. Yeah. Performance reviews, digitization, those three together are a trio. Yeah. They stand together, not as much standing apart. We've dealt with these things as unique events. They need to be done as a continuum, don't they? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then maybe even, yeah, expanding performance reviews really to be broader into leadership, right? Well, and then I start getting into, again, my weird approach to these things is I'd rather, I don't like one-to-one necessarily. Mm -hmm. I might want to have the team and we have a performance review as a team and we're all team members and can see our roles within it. And yes, we deal with those one at a time, but if we can start having the team be the driver, life changes dramatically. Yeah. My, my daughter's taken on a different teaching aspect and, and you might've seen, she wrote something about it in our newsletter on called avid, which is, the kind, in my view, it's a replacement for gate, gifted and talented education, which has okay. kind of been a hallmark of America for 40 years, which is to me counterproductive. But AVID stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. Okay. And she's teaching it in middle school grades, what's that, six, seven, and eight? Yeah. And every student. Every subject, every week, has to stand up and give a 10-minute presentation to her class or his classmates about something in that subject that has influenced their life. Well, that's an interesting take on education, because now you're taking the subject that can feel so disconnected from what you think reality is and forcing you to think about how they relate together. Yes, and every, you know, we communicate with schools because of what we do with Learning Without Scars. And almost every school administrator, dean, president, you know, what, whatever, have been talking about the last 25 years erosion in critical thinking skills, analytical skills, communication skills, and more recently, leadership skills. Yeah. This addresses all of them. It's kind of remarkable. And one of the, my my daughter, I, I put a blog that'll be out soon. My daughter has a, a, a book that they're using in the school for the teachers called Ruthless Equity. Okay. Which is a weird subject. It's intended to be colorless, religionless, sexist, everything neutral. I don't even know who you are. 
<clears throat> and the illustration is, and this is stupid, but let me give it to you anyways, is a family, father, teenage son, and a tween standing at a fence watching a baseball game. Oh, I, I know that. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> the father can see over the fence. The other two mm -hmm. can't. So they get boxes out, right? Yep. In the world of equity, each of them gets a box. So the father's yep. way up here and the little one still can't see over. That's not. So ruthless equity is two, one, and zero. Yeah. Okay. So freeze frame on that. And here comes my granddaughter. She's finishing off a master's and she's got a semester on communications. Okay. It's based on a book from Randy Olson called The Narrative Gym. Both of these books are wonderful for you to read. They're phenomenal. Okay. The Narrative Gym, narrative and gymnasium, deals with three words, and, but, and therefore. Mm -hmm. And if you take pronouns out of the English language, but is the most commonly used word. And it's the only word that we have that contradicts what we just said. Oh. Yes. Right. I yeah. <laughs> so now that bring it back into credentials or experience with that foundation. Sure. I want experience, not credentials. Where do you okay. fall? Where oh man, I so given my experience, I would say I'm a bit of a unicorn. You know, I've got a lot of depth and quality. I've got depth in digital transformation. I've got depth in data analytics. Um, but the the challenge with that is I don't fit into a mold in operations. And that right? confuses the hell out of people. And that confuses people. I don't fit into IT because I've worked in the business, right? It, because... IT leadership looks for people that have grown up in IT. And, and I think I'm qualified for both. And I've certainly seen, and I've been parallel to both for my career, but the, there's walls that are put up because of the experience. Now, in terms of skills, I've got project management skills. I've got leadership skills. I've got communication skills. I've got technical skills. Um, and so I think that companies that are stuck in the mindset of hiring for experience are limiting themselves. Because if you only pull up from within and you don't mix experience from outside, you're not going to innovate. You're not going to change. You're going to be stuck just continuing to execute so, in the so, same way. So let me go down that road a ways and say, I neither want credentials nor experience. I want attitude and a curious mind. And that's it. I'll teach, you I'll teach you everything else. <laughs> right? Yes. It's it's a it's a really it's a really interesting subject, which is why I wanted to do this. With artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. with data analytics, with chat GPT, we can now create a custom character that looks like you. Sounds like you. As long as you're not walking around, they haven't figured that part out. If you're sitting at a <laughs> desk and, and you can use your hands and your head, etc. But 
they can completely duplicate who you are in 20 different languages. Sure. From a Word document or a PowerPoint slide. So I don't need to have any creative skills at all. I just need to have writing skills. And we're moving to that to replace all of our film clips. As from a cost perspective, it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Heck yeah. You had time to market and all of that. <laughs> Everything. Smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it took me back to when I started in the dealership world. I had been teaching athletics. I had run a country club. I took mathematics and physics, and they wanted somebody to solve a computer problem. Mm-hmm. And the vice president of finance was the father of two kids that I taught. So he knew me that way. Yeah. And so they called and said, didn't he take mathematics and physics? I had an interview, a couple of four guys, three or four hours. I was given a job for a year to find and fix a problem. Then the senior partner of the consulting company that sold the software and the hardware to the dealership spent one day a week with me for six months. Okay. You couldn't script that there as far as the learning experience. Sure. You know, but we found the problem. <clears throat> so, so we had a year, you know, at the end of that, it's over. It's our choice, your choice. See if, if after about six months, seven months that they hired me and that's 50 something years later. It's ridiculous. But I didn't have the credentials in IT. Yeah. I didn't have the credentials operationally of the business, parts, servers, selling, et cetera. Yet they hired me. And somebody taught me everything I needed to know to be able to find and fix the problem. Mm -hmm. I subscribe to that approach to life. I'll look for people that have diverse backgrounds like you have. Yeah that have a curious mind that maybe don't have credentials in my mind you do, but that's a separate discussion. And, and, And many people will hire somebody who they think can do the job based on the credentials and they fall flat on their nose. Yeah. And it happens fast. Six, 12 months max. Sure. That's expensive. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you've got to start over again. And the person you bring in to replace has to fix whatever damage was done because of the person who fell flat. Now, I have a question for you. Um, what advice do you have in the interview process to identify somebody with genuine curiosity? Because I feel like I've had, I've had at least one, maybe two bad hires. And I feel like that would have been a trade I was looking for but i definitely didn't find out that that was untrue so you knew i worked in a prison right and with delinquent boys so it was up to the age of 18 some of them were murders armed robbery serious stuff uh, mm-hmm. personality disorder or disorders maturity issues and they trained me how to identify those things so as a result of that when I hire somebody or when I interview somebody or when I talk to somebody, I ask different questions. One of my favorite questions is, what are you best at? What do you think you're best at? And it kind of throws people because they don't expect that question. Mm-hmm. And they have to think a little bit about what they 
want to share with me. But as soon as they start talking, they 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 go because it becomes comfortable. They, you know, they're talking about themselves, something they're good at. Yeah. They give me examples. What do I find out when they tell me what they're good at? You find out what they're passionate about. You... More, important, more importantly, what do I find out? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you take your biggest strength, your strongest attribute, asset, and you take it to extreme, it's, it's your biggest weakness. weakness. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> if, I, if I ask you what your biggest weakness is, oh, you're going to dance all over the room because you're not going to tell me that. But if I ask you for your biggest strength, here you go. Yeah. And then in the interview, they've just gone through that. I said, that's wonderful. Do you have trouble with this? Which is the opposite. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I can see their faces change. Sure, they get uncomfortable. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, who is this idiot? You know, what? what's he? I just went through that but a month ago with two people. And <clears throat> there were three people interviewing at the same time as I was the one person. And my personality is a little bit more forceful than the others. So I was doing a lot of talking mm-hmm. and a lot of listening, but provoking. And I want to find out who you are. And anybody can hide from me for a long time, which is why I like to have a one-year probation period. Mm -hmm. Not less than. One year. You You can hide a month, three months, six months, but it's really hard to fool me for a year. Yeah. Um, That's why a lot of marriages fail in the first 12 months, right? But it's, so that's, so curiosity, when they start rambling about what they're good at, it also indicates how much how cur- how curious they are. Sure. Because the, you can tell from the scope of the discussion, the range of the discussion. Yeah. You know, and the broader the range, the more curious they are. Yeah. Another one that I ask is, what's the last book you read? And that's not necessarily nice anymore because not very many people read books. Not many people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's discouraging, but... Uh, so the the credentials, I was in Quebec, which is kind of French Canada. Yep, I'm down there. And European thinkers are much more who you know rather than what you know. Sure. So it's a community. It's a socialization thing more than anything else. And it always bothered me because I, I'm I'm not I'm social, but I'm I hide people. You're only going to see what I want you to see. Right. There's a Greek expression called Herkos Odontum, behind the bridge of my teeth. So I'm, 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 I'm hiding over here. And, you know, <laughs> my, my wife says, everybody knows everything about you. I said, you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it, how else would I want to look at curiosity other than the range of their discussion Thanks. topics? Yeah. And how they look at things. I think that I think that exposes curiosity. Sure. Yeah, because why? If you're not curious and you're comfortable being status quo or comfortable knowing one thing, you're going to go into depth on that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's quite easy to to see. In fact, it's not fair once once people see that that's in, in training them on hiring and interviewing. Once they mm-hmm. see how I approach it, they don't want to be interviewed anymore. 
The worst case was I went to Finning in British Columbia and I had two days of interviews, 10 or 12 guys. Okay. And the guy who was the vice president of human resources, his name was Charlie Lois, one of the best HR guys I've ever met. And that's what he was all about. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you know. I want to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, who are you going to go to war with? Yeah. You know, the old, uh, the, the people in the boat, you know, who, who do I trust? Well, let's go. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. And I, I think about the people that I, you know, that are in leadership positions that I don't necessarily um, have deep respect for. I would say it's because they fit in the know-it-all camp. And uh, I, I call yes. that the command and control camp. Yeah, it's um that's so no, it's ridiculous. It's terrible. I mean it I mean there's the command and control and I think it's worse when it's not command and control. When you talk about a culture that's inclusive and you talk about you know, that you want to drive change and, and have different perspectives brought into the mix, but then you don't have the receptiveness to listen to others and seek to understand the different perspectives. Now you're lying. Like, <laughs> now you're, that's deceit. <laughs> well, and the trouble with that is the the audience, the team, mm-hmm. sees it. And, yeah. they, they, you know, the, the person who's exposing themselves doesn't understand that they have. Yeah. No, because they know it all. They they don't, <laughs> they can't. It's not. Yeah. It's not part of who they are. It's not part of who they are. Yeah. There, there was a canned meat um, company in Canada. I think it was called Spam, but I can't recall for sure. And it was two cans of, of processed meat talking to each other. Okay. One can saying to the other, say moo, oink. Say moo, oink. <laughs> Why can't you say moo? It just isn't in there. And it's it's the same thing with, with people. I don't mean to sound so cynical, but I am. Yeah. Um, I, I love seeing people get excited about anything. Sure. I don't care what it is. If you can get excited about something, you can get excited about anything. It's yeah. just a question of how we look at things. So that, that whole interview, credential experience your skill set not fitting into a box for somebody else mm-hmm. that somebody else box has to change and i think we're at the cusp of that now as a society yeah. as a workforce there's we're going to have teams not positions and the leadership role will move around the team as the process changes and our culture America and Japan, I, I keep Kaizen, I love. We don't do that. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you what I want you to do, what your job is, and I'm going to tell you what I just showed you, and I'm going to show you again, then you're going to try, and I'm going to watch, yeah. and I'll correct you, and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. and then I'm going to leave you and say, okay, Sarah, keep at that. Get faster. Make less mistakes. You're going to get really good, but it's my rut I'm putting you in. That's true. And I hate that. Don't tell me what to do. Let me figure it out. Yeah. That's why people don't tell like me that what you want accomplished and let me figure out the way. Exactly. What do you want to have? What's the goal? Yeah. 
So I have a, a, a thing that I call a trigger for process improvement. I call it five things. You oh, might have heard me mention this before. Mm-hmm. And I I do it all the time, and it, it's a remarkable exercise. And if you can get people in a team thinking that way, sure. it's really beneficial. So then let me go to the next one. Have you ever been involved in a group interview where you've yeah. had four or five people on a panel with 20 people in a room being interviewed? No. I've been a sole interviewee with a panel interview, and I've been on a panel interviewing a sole interviewee. What do you you think about 20 or 30 people being interviewed at the same time? I think that that uh, I'm trying to think through what the dynamic would be like, because you're (laughs) going to have some people that are going to be, I mean, you'd have to specifically call out people because some of the folks are going to be introverted and not likely to answer it was an eight-hour interview wow and, and there were 30 of us okay and it was for the prison okay and they were looking for a control figure interesting so what do you think they wanted the the interviewees to do they wanted to see who was going to step up and guess who did and you did it's kind of like you look around you say okay if i'm going to get this job i have to eat everybody else here Sure. Well, it's even really if you're <laughs> Southwest Airlines does the same thing when they're hiring for cabin crew okay. and flight crew, customer service people. And they have a panel of employees that do the same job, HR and others that are in maybe six to seven people. And they got 20 or 30 people being interviewed. Hmm. And one of the questions they ask is what's the most embarrassing moment you've had in your life and how did you handle it well <laughs> yeah so in, if you get into a group interview you got to be very focused on what you the it is you're trying to find out right sure well and I, I mean i would think just that specific question you're gonna see who's confident you're gonna see you know who can overcome you know embarrassment and fear and i would think um being vocal in an environment like that going back to your earlier example of being commanding you want your flight attendants to be commanding <laughs> yep. probably more so than surface oriented because yep. in the event of something going wrong you're going to need a, a team of people to be able to work together and respond yep so one of the answers this was a harvard business review case study films okay. that I used in training programs. And one of the ladies who was interviewing for the job said, well, this will probably be the most embarrassing moment that I've experienced because I'm not normally that positive. And, and, you know, right there you win, right? Yeah. You love the kid because she's being open and honest with you. I mean, you know, she's right. not very comfortable about this, but here I am. Yeah. Yeah, there's all I I um I it really touched a nerve with me, the credentialism experience. I don't know that there's an answer, but I, I think we're um as a society in the workforce, we're we're moving in that direction. I hope so. I mean, I think there's a, a desperate need to shift the thinking. And I do like the idea of hiring for attitude and curiosity because man, if you have a can-do attitude and you're curious and you and you have a leader that just has a mission that you believe in, like, forget it. That person's going to be an amazing hire. Yeah. Um, like, I, I like to say that if you've got the right leader, the, the people, if you hire properly, you'll go through a wall for them. Sure. 
They will not go home until that problem is solved, period. They'll sleep on the floor until it's solved, period. It's silly. And they, you know, they'll, they'll welcome it. They want to do it. But it's because of their believing it. Precisely. It, oh, my goodness. I mean, I think back to my favorite moments in my career, and it's being in teams like that, right? Like, I remember very early on, we were implementing our, the, our first IC system. We needed to go live by January 1st, and, and uh, I decided to do something um, to try it. <laughs> And I manually moved code from our development server to production, not knowing what I was doing and <laughs> broke it on Christmas Eve, Eve. Oh, no. Um, but every we we stayed. We all stayed and we hashed it out and got got it fixed. And, you know, it. did we want to work late on Christmas Eve, Eve? No, we wanted to, you know, get home and start our vacation. But... You couldn't. No, the team, it was, I mean, we were on a mission. We were going to take, we were going to get it done no matter what. And it was fun and we laughed. And yeah. yeah. And they, and you've all probably, if you ever got together as a group again, that's the first thing you're going to talk about. And you're going to talk about it, it, moments that were special. Absolutely. Yeah. And laugh about the ones that were terrifying. <laughs> and I, one. I, have I told you I ran a software company when I came down to the States and, and it was for the equipment world. And it always used to drive me crazy when they sent out new releases. Mm-hmm. Because you get out to the dealership and you put it in, you're going to do it and something goes wrong. Sure. So they come to me and, and they say, okay, we've got a new release. We want, to, we want to send it out this weekend. I said, have you tested it and everything works? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's delay it a week. You guys come in tomorrow morning, Saturday, load it up, and let's talk about it on Monday. <laughs> they did, and they couldn't get the computer working for half the day. Yeah. So Monday comes in, and I said, okay, fine. If that ever happens again, I'm replacing all of you. So when you release something fresh, if it blows up, you're done. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Figure it out. Yeah. Everybody understand what we're up to? Yes. Okay. So when can you issue that release? We'll let you know. And they never had another problem because they didn't previously understand the consequence. Sure. And that's the other part of hiring. Yes. <laughs> yep. One of the things, and and give me your thinking on this. One of the things that bothers me a lot is anytime I hire somebody. I'm not hiring them for that job. I'm hiring for the next job. Every time I promote somebody, I'm not promoting them to that job. I'm promoting to the next job. What do you think of that thinking? I think um, that makes, I think that probably could have kept me out of trouble the couple times I hired somebody. <laughs> Oh, and I, I didn't trust my intuition on one. One, I I still, I am floored that it didn't work out. I think that was more of a culture fit than anything, than the capabilities of the of the person. But um, the most recent hire that didn't work out for me, I would say um, it 
I didn't trust my gut. It's a very common problem. And, you know, in, in tests, they always tell you, whatever your first instinct is, do it. Don't mm-hmm. second guess yourself and change your answer. Whatever you think is the right one at the beginning, do it. More often yeah. than not, it is. And I just, you know, in hindsight, it's like I was hiring for the role, not for the next role, right? I was looking for it's, a transactional. It makes a difference, doesn't it? If you're thinking for the next one. Sure. Because it, I mean, I wouldn't have been looking for somebody that could do transactions and end up with, you know, somebody that doesn't have curiosity and doesn't have motivation and requires micromanagement. And I never want to go through that again because I'm, that's not me. I don't have, I'm not wired to the point where I want to like see the work that you're doing on a regular basis. I just want to trust that it's getting done. That uh, I think you've heard me say the reason that I left working for a company is that, I, you know, I, I, it was politics and babysitting that I don't like and I'm not good at either. Mm-hmm. What I did like and what I still like is how can we make that better? Everything we do, I love Kaizen mm-hmm. as, a, as an operating principle in life. You know, how can I make this better? Yeah. And and we we don't ask that of workers enough, my opinion. You know, that's why that five things with, you know, what would you like to change that would make your life at work easier, better, happier? What what's a pain in the butt? What what process or what improvement you wait that would make the company more successful? Mm-hmm. Those three things. Just as a, you know, every month, let's find one every month and do it. Yeah. I bet it would just keep getting better. And, and and then guess what? You start seeing attributes in people yeah. that you never thought. That's right. There. Because you've done something to prove that you've listened to them. Well, they also know that they're, you know, they're on the stage now. they gotta do you know yeah and and the other thing that gets nasty is i (laughs) i I used in the consulting world when i started out i said you know you don't really want me to do that job for you do you yeah i can you know (laughs) and then (laughs) (laughs) it's the same it's the same thing with you you've got to find a way to take all those disparate skills Mm -hmm. that intimidate people because it doesn't allow them to pigeonhole you somewhere. Right. Which then causes them to overlook some of the benefit that they would have of having those disparate skills sure. working with them. And, and and as we go forward, you know, there's some people that are saying out there now that in the workforce 20, 40 years from now, there's only going to be 5% of the people that are actually going to be change artists. Everybody else will be robotic. Process, transactions. That's how I don't want. I don't want to be in that world unless I'm in the five percent. No way. But how do you how how do you broaden? How do you make it more than five percent? Well, if everybody's thinking with that kaizen mentality, and you're training a culture of always making things better, you're now you're taking the robot out of the equation because they don't have that reality to be trained on to be. 
So so go back to GE where you you were. Mm-hmm. Go back to Deming and Duran and continuous improvement in 1980. It's 43, 45 years later, six sigma under Welsh. Mm-hmm. The the teaching that Welsh did on a weekly basis with employees and management. How what percentage do you think there is of the GE workforce that are the creators? Versus the followers and doers. I would say it's a pretty small percent. Yeah, I think so too. This yeah. that that ruthless equity book that I mentioned. Yeah. Carol and my daughter is going through explaining how it worked in the in the in the, the teaching world. And I said, okay, fine. You've worked in three different schools in, in districts. That's about a hundred teachers. How many of those teachers do you think would get this? This process. And she said, well, maybe 30%, maybe 30%. I said, okay, there's 10 million teachers in America. That means that there's 7 million teachers that are no good for the kids. How do you overcome that? Oh, I don't like that statistic. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And you've got kids going to school. That's exactly my fear, right? Is And I, you can tell. You can tell because it's, you know, I mean, my daughter is, um, she's going to get an A in every class. That's just her nature, right? Um, My son is gets A's in the classes that he likes. That's the same as my granddaughter and grandson. My granddaughter got a 5.4 or something GPA in high school. Okay. And the the principal, that's impossible. Like the maximum is four. How do you do that? My grandson, eh, just like your son, what he's interested in, he aces. Yeah. So he's in the nuke program at at University of South Carolina right now with the Navy, and there's 31 people in the class. Okay. And I never realized how competitive he is, but two weeks ago he was number 10, now he's number five. I I said, well, what's to to my daughter? I said, "What, what the hell's the deal? I didn't know that. He said, well... Caroline said to me, he wants, he's found the job he wants. I said, okay, what is that? He said, well, everybody wants this job. Okay. It's on the computer. It's in Naples, Italy. And you're never on a ship. Oh. And there's a line. I mean, there's (laughs) one job. (laughs) So that's, that's what his current mission is right now. You know, again have a meaningful goal whether you're able to do it or not yeah but still if that's going to motivate you to put in the effort and it's you've got a north star and you're going to take the mission like you're probably going to enjoy the journey so tell me about iceland oh i loved iceland (laughs) you're gonna go back next year or the year after Oh, well, I don't think so. Not anytime soon. I, ideally, I'd like to take my son when he graduates high school. And camp. And camp. You got it. I actually, if, if I ever, you know, when I came back, I had this dream and like, wouldn't it be cool to take a two-month sabbatical out of all the things, right? And all of my ambitions and go work on a farm for two months. Uh, Monday, Monday or Tuesday, I was talking to a guy who's a retired CEO of a multi-billion dollar company in distribution. Mm -hmm. He's got two sons. 
One son's living in Indonesia. He's got a, a health business through Bali and that particular area. Okay. He's, he's having a ball. His other son, his first degree was anthropology. Got bored with that. Then he took finance. Okay. Became an MBA. Then worked for one of the financial houses. Got bored with that. Became a mechanic. Has worked in oil and gas in the Gulf of Mexico and West Texas for the last little while. He's back home again. Now he wants to teach. <laughs> and and I'm jealous. Yeah. Said so this kid's got it going. He, he if he's not happy, he moves. He just does something different. Yeah, he wants to be happy at what he does. That's... Can you imagine how many people in the workforce today would kill to be happy about what their work is? <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. Well, I think it's I think the younger generation coming into the workforce, they definitely prioritize happiness over work. And and sometimes it can be problematic, right? Um and I think there's a balance. I think so, there's so, so let me not let that go. How can that be problematic? Um, well, I think if there's if you're not getting done the work that you're hired to do. Okay. But as long as I'm getting the work done. Oh, I, then it shouldn't matter. You don't have How, an issue with me. Oh my goodness, no. I do not care about but that's that's where I think there needs to be um coaching or training or or something along those lines because you know, when you're, when you grow up, grew up in an environment where you're working eight to five, you're in the office, you're, you know, there's some regimented expectations there. And now you're hiring people that expect flexibility, you know, you got to change your thinking. And that goes back to performance reviews. (laughs) Should we, should we we adjust our thinking and let them do it the way they want to do it? Period. Absolutely. I think I, I don't care if my employees work in the middle of the night or decide to work eight to five in the office. I mean, it's, I think here's your projects. Here's what we expect to happen. I you have a schedule. If you need help, you ask for help, you know, we'll check in on a weekly basis and, see how things are going and pivot if needed. I, I mean, it's on a manufacturing floor or on a repair floor. Sure. I have standard times for jobs. And I say to the employee, I'll give you a choice. I'm going to give you eight hours of labor every day. If you finish after six hours, you can leave or I'll give you two hours more work and I'll pay you for 10 hours today. What do you think happens there? Does my boss is my boss upset with me by doing that? Oh, it depends on the financial. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They were upset when I would let them go home. Oh, why? They got the job done. Yes, that was my argument. You know, these guys are twenty or thirty years older than I am, and I'm in my twenties and early thirties. You're nuts, Ron. So when I watch, you know what happened, Sarah. The guys that were good on Thursday or Friday, they would finish after five or six hours. They go home, they go to yeah. the bar, they go with their wife to dinner or whatever the heck it is. And the younger guys are looking at it saying, I want to be like him when I grow up. Yeah. How do I get to be that? And they start, you know, here we go. Right. Yeah. And my boss was, he did not want me to do it. 
He said, you'll do it, but it'll blow up. I'll let you do it. It's okay, but it's going to blow up. Didn't blow up. No, probably made it more it took productive. Him a long time to and say but, it's okay. I mean, and you think about it, you're going to, it's a win-win, right? Like Big you're, you're going to get everything done faster. So your value stream shrinks. And you're, if, I'm, if, if I'm hiring credentials, not experience, that's not going to happen. No. Because you, you didn't, you don't have anybody thinking different to go into that. Hiring credentials, they'll want to pay more. They won't let the guy go home early. Right. It's a really interesting switch question, isn't it? Well, especially, well, I mean, that's, you know, the UAW union going to a four-day work week. I have this argument with people all the time because they're like, well, if they go to a four-hour work or a four-day work week, that, you know, makes that's going to resonate everywhere. And we're all going to 32 hour work week. Cause they set the stage with the 40 hour work week. And, you know, in my experience on the shop floor, there's, you know, I, I clock in at seven and then I take 25 minutes to get to my station. And then I take a 30 minute, 10 minute break. And then I take a, and all I'm thinking is if that practice holds true and you take out a day, like, Oh my gosh, your output's going to go ridiculous but if you change the incentive to output based yeah then i don't care then you don't care yeah then it doesn't there's, matter there's an old story oh 40 50 years ago about a plant that had been the leading manufacturing plant in the industry for decades and they had international competition that came in from europe and from asia that outstrip their productive capability and capacity dramatically. Mm. And the company had a meeting and told the employees that they were going to have to shut down in three months time. Okay. Because they needed to be able to get 50% more production per shift in order for the plant to stay in business. Mm-hmm. So the employees knew what they needed to do to protect their jobs. It took them a little bit of time, but they got it up to that productive level. And they kept it there for a couple of four weeks. So now the management leadership went back down to the floor and said, okay, boys, congratulations. We can stay open. Do you think you're going to be able to continue to do that? And they were honest and said, no, the plant shut. Hmm. Had the plant operated at that capacity, let's say 80% instead of double. Yeah. Competition never would have arrived. Hmm. The, The barrier to entry in anything is really an interesting position. Today, we have people selling equipment, cars, washing machines, whatever. We used to have salesmen at a store that had to tell the customer what the specifications were, what the benefits were, and all the rest. Today, with Google and other sources, I don't need to go anywhere. I know more than the, the, the guy who's selling to me. Sure, yeah. I so always I do change my whole game. How do you differentiate yourself anymore in the customer service world? Is it credentials or is it no. experience? Yeah. See, it's, it's, but <laughs> the other part of the experience, you have to get started. Sure. In order to get experience, and That's I really, I, my granddaughter, she, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, it doesn't matter. Get something. Start. Yeah. 
get a flavor, see see what you like and don't like in the workplace. You found it out in school, now do it in a job. Yeah. I don't know if we we've answered the question, but I think we beat it up a lot. <laughs> I thought the blog was right on the money. You know, the experience or credentials. I think that's a very important question for everybody to be addressing. And I, I mean, I, obviously, there are certain certain roles in life that experience is favorable, right? You know, I think in the blog I mentioned a brain surgeon. I I want the guy that's done it a million times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think many, many professions there, you can widen the thinking. And I mean, and there was one thing in the blog that I mentioned that I, we haven't necessarily talked about here is if, if you want to hire, if you want a diversity, then you need to stop hiring to backfill the person that is leaving. We'll call him Joe. Stop hiring to replace Joe because you're going to find Joe's lookalike, both in experience and and probably him as a person, right? Age, race, you know, religion, all of that. You're going to go find Joe, whether you know it or not. It's it's happens as an unconscious bias, right? That's so, the ruthless equity state. That's okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. You're hiring Joe. And you and can't. That does this to me. That's right. And if you write your job descriptions based on what Joe does and how Joe does it, and your qualifications are Joe's background, you are not going to be successful at. That's that's another papers. that's another subject for a, a, another blog and podcast. Job descriptions I do not write. I write function descriptions. I like that. And the function has specific purposes and goals. That's right. And then, okay, so there's the framework. You know, there's the picture. It's 18 by 12. Here's your canvas. It's blank. Here's the colors. Go for it. And you make it. And show me along the way. Give me, well, you want to try that maybe. Do you ever think about this? Or Because you can influence people. Sure. I think that's probably... Pardon? Oh, I just like I think that's why like continuous improvement and project management always just sat well with me, um, because you, it, you're not given the how and the instructions on exactly what to do. It's you're given an outcome. You you have to tran you have to transform from A to B, and the path to get there. There's a lot of runway. Well, it, it requires curious problem solvers. And curiosity is not going to be looking for a pattern. And problem solvers don't care what's in the way. No. You know, so it, it's it's a nice combination, but it's it's very rare, Sarah. At least in my experience, it's a very rare combination to find people that have your attributes as an example and skills and experiences mm-hmm. that, that can be brought to bear. Because you're you're a generalist, which is to me the best statement I could make to anybody. I'm I'd like to think of myself as a jack of all trades, master of none. I'm an 80, 90 percenter. I'm never going to be a hundred percenter in my life ever. No, because it's boring. Of course. That's exactly right. That's exactly, that's exactly right. You know, I've taken a number of courses online. Um, and I don't think I've finished any of them. You have to take one of ours. I don't think you've even taken one of ours. 
No, no, I would love I've to. Gotta, I've got to get Caroline to set you up with one. It's five okay. to six hours, I should warn you. Okay. So do an hour a week, take a month, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, that or, sounds good. And, and I'd like you to critique the hell out of it. Okay. I'm ha- always happy to give feedback. And honesty is my policy on feedback. So <laughs> thank you very much, Sarah. And thank everybody who's been listening to this podcast. I hope you've gotten something out of it. I sure have. And Sarah, mahalo from Hawaii. Thank you very much. Bye now. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.